Do you have tired? Do, do you have like a slow cooker in your in your room this time? No, I just I just picked up food. On my oh, okay. No grill. No. Um, uh... <laughs> I brought in. Yes, yeah, so I have an entire propane grill in my room right now. Yeah. I'm making a burger. Just one burger. Growing up a burger. Throwing some lettuce on there too. Getting the yeah. burger, getting the burger on the grill, nice and like, toasted. Yeah, putting the lettuce on the grill, like yeah. off, not on the patty, just like separate. Oh yeah, straight on the, straight on the bars. Nothing quite like singed lettuce to make to make a nice burger. Yep. That's all you. I see. You see some. Uh, you see some grill lines on some lettuce. Oh boy. Oh boy, that's 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 prime stuff. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast, your official Carolina Panthers Cat Scratch Reader podcast. We're here to break down a surprisingly fun Panthers win on Sunday. Well, I should say it was fun in the fourth quarter. In the first three, it sucked. But I'm joined by Brad. Brad, how are you doing this evening? I'm okay. Sounds like you. John, how are you doing? Pretty good. Um, I do say I do want to say about the fun part. Like that game, like the fourth quarter was worth rewatching. Like Sunday night, I went back and just rewatched the fourth quarter, like all the way through again, because that was that was entertaining. Well, the fun part for me too is that I live in Philadelphia Eagle Country, so I was getting shit the entire first three quarters from tons of Eagles fans. So yeah, that uh, that last drive was was nice. Uh, fun little fact too. This dude that I wanted to have on the podcast at some point um he he bent we were talking about it on saturday and uh i said well if the eagles go up by more than 17 there's no possible way the panthers are coming back and apparently he thought to himself well as soon as they went down 17 he's like oh my god they're gonna do it and he was right the panthers did make the comeback three straight touchdowns in the fourth quarter can you say atlanta falcons Some about birds and three score le- or large leads. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't know what it is. They just kind of fly away when. I think it's just, yeah, I think it's because they're, they're birds. They're it's birds. About, yep. Yeah. yeah, I don't trust birds. I don't think I don't like, Birds are terrible. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, birds are terrible. There, <laughs> there are no trustworthy birds. Okay, like, wait, they're wait, complete wait, assholes. Wait, wait, Brian, did you say birds are not trustworthy people? I said they're terrible people. Yes. Terrible he said people. they're terrible people. He's <laughs> not wrong. I mean, yeah. birds are assholes. Like, have you ever had a bird as a pet? Yes. They're awful. They squawk. Awful. All the time. I, well, All the fucking time. They chirp and squawk and squeal. And you have to put a damn towel over their cage to get them to shut up. And even a, that sometimes doesn't work. I had at one point when we had a bird. So I had, like, well, I had recently like lost a part of my fingernail from getting... Something dropped on him while we were moving stuff. Jesus, you get injured and, all uh, the time. What the hell? <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy. And uh, you are the Demir Bird of Cat Scratch Reader. 
<laughs> I guess so. But uh, I was all, yeah, my sister had a bird, and I was, like, trying to, like, you know, become friends with it, and it just bit me right on, like, where I'm supposed to have a fingernail. Oh. It hurts so bad. Oh, God, that makes me cringe. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> why birds are terrible people. You heard it here first. They are awful. Awful. Awful people. The only just, exception is Demir Bird. He's not a terrible person. He's just an injury-susceptible person. But he's he's injury-prone, and I honestly believe it's because his last name's Bird. Yep. Like, if his, last, if his name was Demir Jones, he would probably be the next Jerry Rice. I mean, how many birds just, do you see out got there it. lasting a 16-game stretch in the NFL? You know? It's just how he got Not his many. name. He's just, he's frail like a bird. Yep. Demir Quail up, in, up in the NFL. <laughs> Demir Quail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so speaking of birds, though, um, so to get a little more in depth than the, fa- than, oh, wow, I almost said Falcons, but it was kind of similar. The Eagles blew a 17-point lead, but they dominated the Panthers for the first three quarters. I think Cam had like 28 yards passing and 28 yards rushing after the first half, which is... Not very good, in my opinion. It's not good. Um, they also managed to knock themselves out of field goal position twice in what was a very close game, even with the Eagles dominating on offense and defense. At one point, they had two penalties that pushed them out of field goal range, forcing Ron Rivera to pump, which I'm, sh- I'm sure he loved, by the way. I'm sure he <laughs> loved that he had to punt that ball. He is. He was so relieved he didn't have a chance. To <laughs> oh, thank God. Away. We don't have to give him the ball here. All right. We'll give him 25 yards of field position. <laughs> All right. Cool. So. Can I, say some, can I say something about, I guess, well, you can finish summarizing if you want, because it's just a general thought no, about go ahead. the whole time of possession thing. And the, um, the Eagles dominating time of possession worked in our favor. Yeah. Uh, no. The anti-Ron Rivera game. I love it. Because... Well, because they took, they were taking, because they thoroughly dominated us offensively and defensively, but they took so long to score that by the end of the game, they'd only had like four drives, and so we didn't have like a lot of ground to make up. On top of that, they left a ton of points on the, on the field too, between like, didn't Elliott miss one, miss a field goal? Yeah, to to be fair though, it was like 20 mile per hour cyclone like wind. Like, that's not a joke either. I was walking, I had went out to grab, um, stuff before the game. We'll just say stuff. Not a, not illegal drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. just, you know, some beers and, uh, walking from my car to my house, which was roughly maybe 25 yards. I went from very calm wind to having to avoid a trash can flying at me. Like, it was it's it was legit like that wind was not they weren't kidding about that at all i mean it's possible somebody threw it at you though i mean i am a terrible person i'm i'm often referred to as a well bird. no it's not that well you are but you you live in pennsylvania so you don't have to be a terrible person i'm just laughing at the thought of somebody just like laying in wait like <laughs> wait to see brian and then just hop out from behind a bush throw a trash can trash that would can be out. the greatest thing ever it could have been. I don't know. I mean, I just saw that thing come flying at me. It, it was my trash can, so maybe one of our roommates threw it at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is rebelling about yeah. the stuff you throw into it. You had a problem with all the trash I was putting in there. Um, yeah, you're right, though. The time and possession actually came back to bite the Eagles because this was a very big defensive game. So it was kind of defined by big plays. And while the Eagles made a ton of big plays, they didn't make the big plays to get touchdowns. Because 
this could have this should have been a blowout. Like the Eagles were yeah, firing on all cylinders on offense, and they were being very aggressive too. They went for it on fourth down. I think it was like two or three times in the first half. Like they went for it twice in the same drive and got it. So, and that's what I'm saying. Like if they had if they had scored quicker and gotten the ball back like more frequently before they jumped away at the end, like we're probably looking at like a you know like a 31 nothing hole or 24 nothing hole or something. Yeah, it's just they didn't have enough chances to pull away. Which, I mean, a part of that is the Panthers taking a while, but, like, yeah, the Eagles punted. It was like their, their first, their drives were punt, field goal attempt, and they missed, but touchdown, field goal, touchdown. Like, they could have just kept running up the score if they got the ball more. Yep. And, it, and for whatever reason, I, I actually wasn't super down on the coaching this week. Um, there were a lot of plays on first down where it ended up being a five-yard loss, and it's like that's really hard to come back from against, you know, a, a mediocre defense, and the Eagles' defense is pretty good. That front seven's nasty. So finally in the fourth quarter when the offensive line started to hold people down, and the Eagle, it helped that the Eagles went into more of a prevent defense too, but the offense actually was not losing yards on the – half a first down on a given play and that that seemed to help as well um well see i'm still i'm still down on the coaching because we didn't start actually doing anything until the fourth quarter and we were down 17 nothing and you made a good point part of it was because the prevent defense which pro tip Coaches, future coaches, future players. The only thing the prevent defense prevents is you winning the game. Just get that out there. That's what the Eagles uh, um, fourth quarter game thread told me. I saw that so many times. Yeah, through that game thread. Absolutely. It, yeah, it, it's absolutely true. The only thing the prevent defense prevents is winning. Don't do it. But anyway, um, we didn't start doing things that teams who win games do until we got into a 17 nothing hole. And I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles defense. They're really good. That's not the point. Um, we saw, you know, the hurry up, no huddle. We saw more shots downfield. We saw all those things when we were in a 17 nothing hole. Why, why aren't we doing those things earlier in the game to build a 17 nothing lead? You know, it, and a lot of people on CSR have have questioned this when you know we can't run the hurry up no huddle all the time because then we turn into Chip Kelly and that's not what we're saying just mix it up a little bit you know like they punt you you force a three and out they punt run the hurry up no huddle mix it up don't make it predictable don't make it to where all you have to do is wait three weeks and watch film and you'll know exactly when we're going to do it. But, you know, open the game with Even it. if you start off uh, a drive with it and then don't continue. Yeah, start, start a drive with it and then stop doing it, you know. Um, like one example in, in Sunday's game, when, when Fletcher Cox had to come off the field for one play, run the no huddle so he can't come back out. Mm-hmm. You know, keep when 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 the defense subs out a good player for whatever reason, get in the no huddle so they can't put him back in unless they want to burn a timeout. Now, the Eagles may have done that, but at the very least, you've waste you've caused them to waste a a 
a valuable asset. So, you know, I'm not saying Ron Rivera should turn into Chip Kelly. I'm just saying that he should not be so against changing things up because after the the post game, I think it was yet on uh, Monday, he said, you know, we're still not going to let this become our identity. And to me, that's just being obtuse, stubborn for the sake of being stubborn. Yeah. Obtuse, you know, it, it's, it's successful. Cam Newton's good at it. You know, we overcame a 17 point deficit and won a game because of it. Maybe you should kind of use it a little bit more. And to expand on your point there, Brad, they did a lot of good stuff with Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore as far as like getting them involved. And even Jerry is right on that nice re- on that nice reverse. Like you can do a lot of that stuff by keeping the same personnel on the field and still having your regular passing plays as well with somebody like Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore. I'm not saying to do to run an entire drive with the with like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel and Devin Funches on the field, but that is a they do no, too but, much of the subbing of personnel, I think. And I Yeah, you, you drafted those guys, trust them to be on the field. And you know, the Rams do this a lot. You don't have to run the ball in the I formation. You can you can run it in a three wide formation like the Rams do with um with Todd Gurley. And and Christian McCaffrey will be able to take advantage of that space. It it's all about looking at what the opposite side is trying to do and doing what you can to one up that and exploit it. It you can't have you can't have a we're going to run the ball every single time mindset and you also can't have a you know we're going to run and gun, you know, 1990s Florida Steve Spurrier offense either. You have to mix it up. It's like Thanos would say, everything has to be balanced. Wow, that was dark. <laughs> Jesus. Um John, do you have any? It's accurate, though. It is accurate. John, do you have any specific thoughts you want to bring up about the offense? Um, the offense. I mean, not anything we haven't talked about a lot already. Um, just the the same, the typical like, you know, trust Cam more, don't use him as a last resort type stuff. Um, I thought I wasn't too upset with the play calling. Like we had a we had a we passed more than we ran, which was good because that's the Eagles. I know they have a good pass rush, but the corners are the weak spot. So, like, we attacked through the air, which is the better way to beat them. So, I was, I was happy that we at least showed a little bit of a, you know, self-awareness to attack a weakness. Yeah. yeah so just like, a, you know, we, we had a, at least tried to attack a weakness. Cam was pretty off in the first half, and the protection wasn't great. But I like the, the thought. Um, so, offensively, I didn't have anything complaint-wise in terms of the approach. I'd like just execution stuff. I'd like to see Devin Bunch just catch more passes. That'd be nice. I would like to see him not have bad drops. Like, yeah, I, th- I think it would be good for the team if if he could catch. I think it's I I think every other week his first target he drops. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. yeah, like last week I don't think he dropped anything, but then this week he dropped his first pass, and I think against New York he dropped an easy pass pretty early in the game. If I don't, if I remember correctly. Before we move on, though, <laughs> so, Corey Smith had another very good game and came through. In the clutch, I was I was happy about yes, that. Yes, he did. And bef- bef- if you're listening to this, before you say a word, leave it in your mouth. He's worth five million dollars. <laughs> okay, don't even don't even swallow the word. Drink a cup of coffee or a cup of water or whatever. He's worth five million dollars. End of story. Agreed. 
Agreed. They they use their weapons quite well, despite the struggles yeah. they had on offense in the first three quarters. We're happy that we got away with a win, and let's move on. Oh, go ahead. I do want to say that that fourth down play was just like a amazing play from all all sides of it. Like Smith, I mean, he got. He had the benefit of the defender falling down, but part of that, he I'm sure you have to give him at least a little credit for it, for the the route <clears throat> and whatnot. But Cam, that was a really good play by Cam to escape the pressure and, and make that throw. Is that the one where he mid- was jumping in the air as he threw it? Yeah, he was getting like... He was getting creamed by getting, the defensive lineman, and he had to basically throw a jump pass to get it out. It was basically the same thing that happened to Carson Wentz on their fourth down play, except Carson Wentz just threw the ball up in the air. Yeah, and Cam jumped and completed a pass. And you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not hating on Tory or anything. He's still worth five million dollars, so keep that thought to yourself. Um, I'm surprised he caught it. <laughs> he almost dropped you know, it. He That's almost dropped it. I, I'm surprised he caught so, it. So, fun fact for. Those of you who may have who were watching the game, maybe even the Eagles fans out there, uh, actually, what happened was the guy didn't fall down. There was a guy spying Cam Newton, and he rushed Cam Newton when he stepped up in the pocket. Um, a couple of the Eagles fans that I talked to were lamenting that play because if the guy just stayed where he was, it may not have been as easy for Torrey Smith. So good on Torrey Smith to find an open spot for Cam Newton to chuck on the ball midair. <laughs> um, he did catch it. So. Yeah, he said he. Yeah, he said he broke his route because he saw Cam having to, to move off his spot, so he knew the timing wasn't going to be right, so he just sat down where he found an open space, which is – that's that's what the benefit of having a veteran yeah, receiver that's, there. That's exactly not- what a good receiver does. They can see that the route isn't there, and, hey, I got to get somewhere where he can throw it. Yeah. And then made a, some nicer yep. yak. Yes. We love yak here. Every time we get <laughs> – Every time those plays, especially guys like Torrey Smith, who aren't the most sure-handed players, um, when they start running on the sidelines and have people chasing them, I just am certain, 100% certain in my mind that they're about to get uh, hit from behind and fumble the ball. I'm glad I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> <laughs> like he's running. I'm like, oh, no, he's going to fumble. Like he should, he should have I think just we have over. post-traumatic stress but, disorder with that from uh, D'Angelo Williams against the Seahawks in 2013. Yeah. So. Yeah, the only Panthers player that I don't think that's going to happen with is Greg Olson because he literally wraps the ball up <laughs> like it's a newborn child when he runs with it. Um, yeah, like he's 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 never fumbling it. He also goes down. He doesn't try too also, hard either. He goes down. Yeah, he also goes down immediately when he sees or smells a defender. So, you know, and he always sees him because he's always looking back and forth over both shoulders as he's running. Yes. like he doesn't look. He never looks forward. He's like left, right, left, right the whole time he's running. I also trust Cam to hold on to it because he seems incapable of fumbling the ball sometimes. Unless it's the Super Bowl. <clears throat> hey, hey. Unless it's the Super Bowl. But no, I, I mean, I swear <laughs> there are times where he gets he gets like blindsided with one hand on the ball and he just gets like clubbed in the arm and the ball didn't even budge. Yeah. Hey, he's not Carson Wentz who fumbles it with <laughs> no relative <Carson> ease. <laughs> he fumbles it a lot. Yes, he does. Like to was, be an elite quarterback, he up. does fumble it a lot. Like unprompted too. Like he had two that he just dropped yesterday or Sunday. And um I know I shared it in the comments, but like his pass rating in like one score games in the fourth quarter is real low, and he has like eight fumbles and hundred and eighty plays or something. Yeah, that's, that's definitely that's not, not good. good. So what I'd call hashtag bad. Um Is Carson with a joke? I'll really rally up, rile up all the Eagles fans. Um, 
<laughs> I have a case. I have a strong case. Um, so moving on to the defense. Um, not a particularly good performance as far as yards go, but they still kept them out of the end zone. And they made plays when they had to to give the Panthers the ability to play. And I, I hate game day announcers for many reasons, but there was one play in particular where I was like, you know what? That was exactly exactly what happened which was when thomas davis after like they converted i think it was like a fourth down or something getting the scoring range and thomas davis just rips and in, rips into the backfield and tackles the guy for a loss and he goes and he goes yeah that was thomas davis being like all right we're not screwing around anymore let's go and i think both him and luke keekley had nice plays like that that really helped the, de- the defense um seemed like they kind of showed up on sunday keekley's not Keekley's been getting a lot of hats on him. I think a lot of rushing games are designed to try and get blockers on him now. But I think they both played pretty well. Yep. Yeah, Keekley had 14 tackles. He also, also the best what? photograph I've ever seen. <laughs> the picture I used for the turtle day, today. Did can, you see can it? you hear him, Brad? No, he sounds like a robot. Oh, no. Uh, you sounded, you just sounded better just now. now. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll probably sound better on the show, which will sound weird to people listening. But um, Luke Eakley also gave us the best photo of all time. Mm-hmm. Yes. He gave us two good photos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? I know the one that I used today for the for the turtle. That was I, I was amazed nobody had used that yet. It's, it's a, a similar picture. it's a similar photo to the one you used, but there's one of him. It's from the side. Uh, Instead of him looking basically straight at the camera, yeah. I use them both picture. for the I use them both for memeing thing. on on Twitter because that's that's my job. So <laughs> yes, yeah, but it was good to see him up. But the Eagles, like, I think a lot of teams. I mean, I don't have anything to back this up, but anecdotally, it seems like we've been having teams run fewer screens against us, and the Eagles tried to use them a lot when they were ahead. And that's where Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley seem to always just be a step ahead of, of the offense. Yeah. it ha- He was able to actually get a little bit of uh, space to work with, which was nice. Uh, on top of that, mm-hmm. the Eagles didn't really run at the middle of the of the offense like a lot of the teams that have been successful have been doing. Um, so that definitely helped out as well. They, de- they had a very pass-heavy game plan, which certainly benefited the defense when – you know, they weren't, the wind was bad, but all Sean Jeffrey, uh, he certainly made something out of James Bradbury on Sunday. That was, that was not fun to watch. I mean, it's almost like we could have prevented that from happening. I mean, you know, by, by doing what exactly? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's this tool called the NFL draft and, uh, somebody has said numerous times, um, both on this podcast and on catscratchreader.com that when the Panthers were up to pick that Alshon Jeffrey was available and they went in a different direction and that direction actually ended up being like the bottom of the barrel full of whale blubber, um, Amini Silatolu, and they chose him instead of Alshon Jeffrey. And we learned on Sunday through 
Jeffrey becoming James Bradbury's father, why we should have chosen Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, instead. but if you think about it, Brad, which one of those draft picks stay with their original team up to this day? Oh, don't even start. <laughs> I mean, he's still with the Panthers, and Alshon Jeffrey's off with the Eagles now. I mean, that's that's the kind of player you're looking for in the second round is a player that's there five to six years later. <laughs> to be fair, Seal Tool Seal Tool left and then got cut again, and then he oh details. Yeah. He's only back because literally no one else will have him. That's not true. It absolutely is. Very true. <laughs> he is the Brenton Burson of offensive line. That would be Chris Scott, first of all. <laughs> I, I miss I miss Chris Scott and him playing tag on yeah, straight passes. I, I kind of do miss Chris Scott. I'm <laughs> not right, going to lie. You're supposed to freeze now. I, I, there was, I didn't know. It was so funny watching him like run down the field and just like smacking players in the shoulder as he ran by them. Do absolutely no good to anybody. Yeah, that was those were the days. <laughs> Um, so as far as the defensive backs go, obviously James Bradbury has a new father, but Dante Jackson didn't play particularly bad. Um, I didn't feel that Mike Adams played bad either at 78 years old. Uh, Eric Reed, I don't know how much I want to get into his whole, like his whole beef per se, but he was not in it in the beginning after his little scrum with Malcolm Jenkins, but then he, in the, towards the end of the game, he definitely was playing better. And that was an interception. Let's see. I think we have to address okay. it. I mean, it happened, you know. Um, I think I'm not as mad about it as some people are because, you know, some people are really mad about it. Um, flag. But I do think it's a bad look. I, I, I think it's a bad look. I think that it kind of hurts reed's cause and you know i get where he's coming from he believes malcolm jenkins sold out and you know he's perfectly um fine to have that opinion i mean that's his opinion but there's a better way to express that opinion and i don't think trying to start a fight with literally the other team the entire team before the coin flip of a football game is the best time to express that disagreement uh you know th there could have been a a post-game meeting a, a post-game you know he could have said something in the press conference he could have just talked to him directly you know he didn't have to handle it the way he did and you know i don't think it necessarily affected his play too much because he was robbed of an interception that would have sealed the game uh, and like Ron Rivera said, he's just fortunate that we won the game twice, um, which was very sassy, by the way. I actually like that from Ron. I wish he would be that way more often. Um, but, you know, I I get where he's coming from, but I just, you know, I also see where the other side's coming from, and he should not do that. Yeah, my my thing with it was, like, I actually don't mind him going up to Malcolm Jenkins before the game and saying something man-to-man, face-to-face, eye-to-eye. But then the resulting stuff after that is where I'm like, okay, dude, like, it's a football game. Do your job. Don't rough the passer. And there's there's an argument to be made that he didn't know that Carson Wentz didn't have that the ball on that play. But... Yeah, I don't think that was necessarily roughing. He was just playing... To the yeah, whistle, the so he, to speak. The way he suplexed 
Zach Ertz was pretty funny, though, I will say. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Have you seen the picture of uh, Zach Ertz's face while he's upside yes. down on Reed's shoulder? <laughs> if it weren't for the Luke Keekley photo, that would have been the best photo from the game. <laughs> it, was, it was. It's definitely up there. Probably 1-2 for the season so far. But hey, I, despite any of your arguments that you may have against Eric Reed and the way he conducted himself, Kind of nice to have somebody out back there with a little bit of fire. Nice change of pace. I mean, yeah, like we had Josh Norman for a long yeah. time. We had Mike Mitchell. They both had some spunk, but we haven't really seen a guy like that who can just go in there and just be angry during a game and just make people pay for catching passes in front of them. So. I do think he needs to channel it better than he did on Sunday. Because, like, like you said, there's. There's definitely room to play with that added intensity. Like Luke plays very angry, but you can't get to where you have like a separate agenda beyond the sport. Like you can't get in your head where you're like, I got to send a message outside of like just winning the game, you know, like where I got to make some extra hits. I got hit a little harder. I got to jaw with them a little bit. Like you can't lose your focus. And I thought he lost like the first half. He seemed very unfocused. The second half, he seemed to reel it in. The first half, he definitely was not, he was trying to do too much. I also would like to address the fact that the Panthers thought it was a good idea to put Captain Munderland on Zach Ertz a few times. A little, little, little bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah, that wasn't very smart. I, I think Zach Ertz had what? What was it, 280 yards? Uh, not, not quite. Or something like that? <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. But it was still over 100 yards, which is Greg olson like. And they gave yeah. they gave him free releases like, the entire game, despite them coming out and saying they didn't want to do that most of the game. So I don't know if that was just a smokescreen. Maybe the Eagles won't won't see us not pressing him coming. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Zach Ertz. It's like those that like you know how like when you like I don't know if you like expect a step and you so you take a weird step and you like lose your balance. Like, Zach Hurts is going to expect to be jammed at the line, and he's just going to, like, lunge forward and fall over because he's expecting somebody to contest him. Maybe Maybe that was the strategy. Maybe. Did not work. Um, Didn't work. Let's look at where else. Oh, there's one thing, though. We talk about pressing up. The couple times that James Bradbury tried to press up on Alshon, and he got murdered. So that was... Not not good it's for the uh, we need to press more it's crowd. It's kind of strange to me that Bradbury included. struggled so much against Alshon Jeffrey when he's done better against like AJ Green and Julio Jones, who are better wide receivers. Newsflash: Alshon Jeffrey's better than both of those okay, guys. Well, now you're no, no, now you're game. <laughs> I will say, the, for the most part, Bradbury did a good job of staying like in Jeffrey's <laughs> hip. Around his proximity. Um, Alshon Jeffries. Yeah, but Alshon just is really good at the catch point. He is. I mean, I, I was joking when I said he's yeah. better than Green and what's his face, but and Julio. But he he is really good at contesting the ball. Like that's his his biggest strength. Yeah, he's what we want Devin Funchess and Kelvin Benjamin to be. Right. Like that's what Alshon is. He's, yeah, more so Kelvin Benjamin because I think because Devin's more fluid at like yeah pre-catch. yeah Alshon is what we wanted Kevin Kelvin Benjamin to be and and Benjamin is 
he looks like he ate Alshon, but he's just not. So yeah. another thing, Mario Addison. He appears to be a little banged up after Sunday, and he's by far the Panthers' most productive pass rusher right now. Not good. That's not good. I. He says he's going to play, though. He said he's got hit in the back. Yeah, no, he seemed. Yeah, he came back for he a little did. bit. It's just worrisome so. that the Panthers' best pass rusher went out like that. Like they don't really have somebody who can answer the call like he will. Um, so I do see some merit to Eric's post, which, for those of you listening who may not have seen it, Eric proposed that the Panthers trade for Calais Campbell, and I can't say I hate the idea. Um. It's interesting because David Tepper seems like a little more gung-ho about let's go out and get the guys that are going to help us right now, obviously, with Eric Reed. So. Plus, you know, we helped sign Eric Reed, so maybe we can help him uh, trade for Calais Campbell. Who knows? Who knows? But it doesn't seem like this pass rush is going to hold up super well against a team like the Saints. Luckily, we face the Ravens in their high-powered offense next, so. I mean, the offense is all right, but. Better than it should be. I'll put well, it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm feeling next week this is going to be like ten to nine or it something could very like well that. Beat the Panthers down like the Eagles should have, to be honest. Yeah, they're a good team. It's crazy what happens to your offense when you get a bunch of competent receivers. Because their offense was gar. Oh, I mean, we need to yeah. save this for later this week. But their offense was garbage until they signed John Brown, Michael Crabtree, and Willie Sneed. But yeah, but the Eagles. It was nice to still like to get that pass rush on that last series, even without Addison. Force Carson. Yeah, I believe Peppers was credited with the forced fumble as well, which tied him for most forced fumbles all time. Oh, I didn't know that. Pretty yeah. good, considering that Carson once I think again just slipped out of his baby oil hands. Yeah, 50, 54 <laughs> total forced fumbles. Is that? Closest active player is Terrell Suggs with 33. So I don't oh, think geez. he's going to be <laughs> anytime soon. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, definitely, sure. Peppers isn't isn't going to be good for 10 sacks this year. I don't believe, but he's still good enough for what he is. Yeah. Is a guy that they can throw on a snap count and go out there and rush the passer. Yeah, and I'm fine if he doesn't get 10 sacks. I just want him to to get enough to break. Uh, or pass Kevin Green for third all time. That would be nice. How many does he need right now? I want to say he needs five more. Uh, I could be wrong on that. You guys, you guys got to talk. turn it up a little bit. All right, some words here. Um, but oh, I do. I do want to talk about your guys' thoughts on the um, the Eric Reed interception or the non-interception because that was weird. It was weird. I have my own thoughts. I'm sure that surprises you. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a bit of the conspiracy variety. Yes, they are. Peppers need. I, I never won. Peppers ahead, needs Brian. four and a half sa- or uh, three and a half sacks to catch up with Kevin Kevin Green. By the way, to, to tie and then four to to, yeah, to tie him or so okay, yeah, so he needs four. Well, second, yeah, four sacks total. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Um. But yeah, I, I, and I'm normally not one for the, the conspiracy things, but I do think there is merit to this one. 
you can I, you can share it, Brad, because I know you more. Okay. We saw Eric Reed intercept Carson Wentz. We saw the replays. We saw what looked like the ball in his hand, and it was touching. It could have been touching the ground. It may not have been. It was obstructed. There was no indisputable evidence, which is what is required to overturn a call in the NFL. It's literally in the rule. It has to be indisputable evidence. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert or anything, but the, oh, shut up. The, um, let's see if I can find it. The last time I checked, indisputable means unquestionable, not disputable. So that would lead one to believe that there has to be a guaranteed 100% accurate, clear as day, picture perfect shot of him not catching that interception. And there wasn't. They called it an interception on the field. So it should not have been overturned. Now, I'm fine with it if Cleet Blakeman comes out and says the ruling on the field has been overturned. Um, it is now an incomplete pass or whatever. That's fine if, you know, because that becomes a judgment call. But what actually happened is that he looked at it. He may not have even looked at it because that's part of my conspiracy. Um, but he came out and he said, the rule, it's an incomplete pass. Like he didn't explain it. He didn't say that there wasn't enough evidence. He didn't say that the ball hit the ground. He didn't, nothing. He just said, it's an incomplete pass. The ruling on the field is an incomplete pass. I believe, and no one will ever convince me otherwise you know, change my mind meme, go ahead. They dialed into the replay booth and Roger Goodell himself got on the phone and said, if you let him win a game against Carson Wentz, you're fired. We will not let Eric Reed, the protester who is causing all this drama between groups of people and dividing our fans the satisfaction of making a good play. Reverse the call. It is an incomplete pass. And so Cleet Blakeman did what he was told. So I think like I have Okay. I have an I have an opinion real quick. Um if they had called it an incomplete pass on the field and it was challenged and then they said that it was still an incomplete pass, I would have understood. Me too. But Yes, exactly. That's the and, point. When you go and rule it an interception, then that changes the rule. Because then you have to... Yeah, you have to prove that it's not an interception. And they did not... There was no proof, indisputable proof, that it was that an incomplete said, pass. I do so, believe it was an incomplete pass, just looking at the play. But again, based on what the, the standards the NFL has set, if you call it an interception, you have to be able to prove that it wasn't. So that, that's my problem. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, if, if he would have come out and said, 
the ruling on the field is an interception, but the ball hit the ground. There's no clear control. The ruling is overturned. I it okay, whatever, fine. I disagree with that, but fine. But they came out and they acted like they were they were saying we're not going to let Eric Reed on his knee seal a game without I, actually coming out and saying that. I think yeah, the combination of like the way he worded it and then because like they looked at it for a really really long time and normally you don't look at something for that long and change it. Like my no. I got like out I saw it and I was like, oh, there's a chance I hit the ground. And I'm like, I've, I'm like one of the few Panthers fans that's like, yeah, Jericho Cotri's pass was an incomplete pass and that John the Stewart was down in the rain game against Jacksonville. Like, you're wrong on both of those, but okay. No, I'm not. But on this one, I was like, I just, I like, like Ryan said, like, it, it very well could have hit the ground, but I, you can't tell. And you have to, you're like projecting where you, where you think the tip of the ball is based on like the shape and what you see in the silhouette. But you can't actually see it hitting the ground because it's obstructed by his hand in one view, and then he's got like his whole body obstructing it from the other view. And it's it was weird that they reviewed it for so long, and then like you said, just just completely like a, away from the protocol of the typical. Like if he came out and said, you know, like after reviewing the play, the tip of the football hit the ground without control, without the defensive player gaining control, so therefore it's an incomplete pass. Like I would be less. <clears throat> Yeah, I'd be less mad. Like I yeah. would I would just I would treat it the way I treat the Jericho Cotri reception mm. and the Jonathan Stewart down or not down by contact. And I would just be like, Yeah, they got that wrong in my opinion, but yeah. what are you gonna do? You know yeah. it's more like you know, a, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's more like a I disagree with that call as opposed to that's a fishy call. Yeah, it it's absolutely fishy. And because when they were taking so long to to announce it, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it's one of two things. It's either A, they're trying to find out where Eric Reed is so they can spot the ball. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that does take some time. Yeah. You know, where is he at? Where can we spot the ball? Or I'm like, they're figuring out a way to screw him over. Like, they're trying to come up with a way to to come out and say, you know, we're not going to let Eric Reed have this and yeah it's it's, because it's also funny and i you know this is going away from the play but you know eric reed lost his collusion case against the Bengals today and it's just funny to me that that happens like two days after he gets into it with the leader of the players coalition like you, you can't tell me that there's not some kind of fishiness going on there yeah and then like like i said when you're typically when you're looking for something, the longer like in my mind, the longer it takes you to find it, the less likely it is that you found it. Like after like, at yeah. a point, like it's like if you don't see it, you don't see it. Like like how many times do you have to look at that replay? Like is it the fifth time you look at the replay? Like okay, yes, it did hit the ground. You know, like they showed because like I, I know they don't get exactly what we see on TV, but there's it's not like they were just like viewing new shots the entire time. Like they're watching the same thing over and over and over again. And, like, how many times, like, if you don't see it the first or second time, like, it's just not there. And it's it's weird to me that they took yeah. that long to change something. Because if it was an obvious change, it's like, 
And that's where it comes back to the indisputable thing. Like, if it's indisputable, it shouldn't take long to find indisputable evidence because it's indisputable. You know? No, it not, doesn't. Indisputable evidence jumps out yeah, of the screen. Yeah, you're not trying to, like, build a case off circumstantial evidence or something like it's a court case. Like, so it, like, it shouldn't take five minutes to say the ball, the ball did or did not touch the ground. So we we weird call. And I know this is this goes against your your thing of the referees don't actually hate the <laughs> Panthers. Um but I, I really do think that if the roles were reversed and, and Cam Newton threw that pass and one of their defensive backs, I don't even know who all their defensive backs are anymore. Malcolm but Jink. I was um, gonna say Malcolm Jink. Yeah, but that might not be Yeah, if Malcolm, <laughs> that might be the best yeah. example either. Yeah, but um if if it would have been reversed, they would have probably called it an interception. Honestly, even if it was just like Luke Keekley or Mike Adams. Or even if it was yeah. Mike Adams. Like I, I made this point, and I think it was in our Slack chat. If Mike Adams made that play, the, the call on the field would have stood. I firmly believe that. Yeah, it's I don't like conspiracies though, but that was that was a weird thing. I'm just glad Carson Wentz is a choke artist and gave it back to us anyway. Yeah, it's now my probably third favorite conspiracy. What are the first two? Eric Reed caught it. John Casey was paid to get the ball out of out of bounds in the Super Bowl. My first two favorite conspiracy theories are that Lyndon B. Johnson killed John F. Kennedy, and there's nothing in Fort Knox. (laughs) And they're not they're not protecting the gold in Fort Knox. They're protecting the fact that there isn't any gold in Fort Knox. (laughs) Quite the conspiracy theory. Quite the conspiracy theory. <laughs> um, do we have anything else we want to get into? Uh, are you like in a cave or something? <laughs> Is there anything else we want to get into? There you go. Good. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Mike's now we not, can hear you. not yelling at his mic across the room anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, is there anything else we want to touch on before we uh, wrap this up? Uh, no, I'm all good. Yeah, I'm good. It sounds like Brian wants to quit. You keep talking. I was just asking. Nah, I think uh, I got all the the Panthers-Eagles things out. Yeah. We'll have plenty of uh, Panthers-Ravens things for you later this week. More More birds. birds. So hopefully they blow a lead, too. Um, Hopefully they never get a lead. Yeah, hopefully they never get a lead. Hopefully Cam Newton doesn't (laughs) die against that defense, either. That'd be nice. Um... But yeah, we will touch on that a little more. Um, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian, joined by John and Brad. And I have a little life lesson for you from Brian Bedford-Sleuth before we end this one. So if you buy a sandwich, you order, let's say you order a chicken sandwich. Well, it smells a little fishy. And you look at it, and it looks a little fishy. If you look at it, if it looks fishy and it smells fishy, it's probably fishy. That's all I have to say about that. So, so it's probably yeah. a fish sandwich. It, I feel like this is something or, that happened to you in your actually in your real life. That you fun fact that actually has I have ordered a chicken sandwich and gotten a fish fillet sandwich instead from McDonald's. But I bet that tastes. That is like the worst thing ever because their I bet fish the taste is, is so terrible. Gross too, like expecting to taste chicken and tasting fish. Yep. And it's not even good fish. Like you, a good fish sandwich is is like 
the best thing, but a McDonald's fish fillet is not. Is not no. that, that fish fillet sandwich was bad. It was definitely not a chicken a chicken sandwich, and uh, that Eric Reed interception was definitely an Eric Reed interception. Agreed. I guess is the way I was trying to tie that in. So. <laughs> Anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, listen to us here later this week and catch us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Have a great rest of your week, and we will talk to you soon. See you. Later. Keeps the football. Takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff, and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass, McCaffrey, touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keaton. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know... It's a road win in New England. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.